Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And this is the Gem Jam, where we're doing episode by episode recap the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous and it truly believes that radio is the best thing ever. And honestly, considering we're doing an internet radio show, we don't have the grounds to dispute this. Oh god, no, not at all. Radio is great, especially on-demand talk radio. This episode, in case you haven't guessed yet, is season 2, episode 15, aka episode 41. It is K-Gem. It's the radio episode. It's written by Christy Marks, and uh, because Mac is a little unavailable right now, and because this is uh, his favorite episode, we've invited... Well, I... I'm not sure what you're doing on the uh, on the recording thing here with your name there, but uh, this is my husband, John. Hi, John. Uh, if you look at Zincaster, it says Shock Jock DJ J Crates. Duh. Representing 95.5, The Weasel. Anyway, this is an episode that was written by Christy Marks. This is actually one of the episodes that on a lot of the DVDs does have commentary by Christy Marks as well. There's some really interesting stuff in that feature. So K-Gem mostly came about because Hasbro wanted, they wanted a playset. Uh, which looks really awesome, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it's like, it's a guitar, it's like an electric guitar, but you open it up and there's a radio station in there or something. That sounds incredible. They wanted a radio station set, and Christy Marks, her father was in radio. Uh, she actually named the owner of K-Gem after her father, Elzar Marks. Uh, he managed a local radio station in their hometown, so she grew up with radio. So she said, you want a radio set episode? Oh, I'll give you a radio set episode. And it's like one of the best episodes of season two. I love K-Gem. And this is the reason why this episode feels so grounded in like, in what is and is not possible. Almost too grounded for a gem episode. It's very tame, almost. Well, I know a couple pilots that get grounded in this episode. Hmm. Ha uh, ha ha ha. No. I, yeah. Okay. Those fallen power lines should have been. No, we got it, hon. Okay. We start with dance for no reason. Yeah, dance is not in the rest of the episode. She's just inflicted on us for the first minute or so. I can just hear Mackenzie screaming somewhere. And there's sweet 80 yoga pants. Dance is leading jazzercise, I guess. She's like, okay, now let's get some radio station for dancing music. And they argue over KLIK and KBST and Dance is like, how about KML? And KML, according to the girls, is Stink City. Hip teen lingo. And then it turns out that KML is playing Gem and therefore they love it. And it's Gem and the Holograms, It's Only Me and the Music, a.k.a. that one song that's always dance. Less than a minute into the episode, and we've got our first music video. Let's just move on from the one scene with dance in it. I mean, she's there to appeal to somebody. Who, though? Dance fans? Surely those exist. If we say they don't exist, we'll get hate mail. Oh, we'll definitely be getting hate mail. And it's going to all be addressed to Mackenzie. Dance fans, please address all your hate mail to Mackenzie, please. Now let's go over to KMEL, which is a radio station that is not doing very well. They've hired Rob Paulson as a DJ. It's, uh, his name is Mondo this time. Mondo has two voices, broadcast voice and regular talking voice. Regular talking voice sounds like he's trying to be an extra in Greece. Rob Paulson plays like three characters in this episode and I love it. We also meet Elzar Marcus, again, named after Christy Marx's dad, who is the owner of KML. His senior DJ and his engineer have to leave. They've been offered three times their pay to work at KBST, and KML's about to go out of business. That spells K-Best. Yeah, no one ever says that. Though you think they would. It's kind of on the nose, isn't it? 
So those two employees, they leave, they walk off into the building, and then emerging from the shadows... He's worm-tonguing. He just worm-tongues into this building. His worm-tongue. I only refer to him in my notes. I think his name is Kite, but let's be honest, he's worm-tongue. He, he's hunched over, rubbing his hands. He basically comes in and says, how sleazy to sleazy you today. And like all good financial transactions in this universe, he is here to offer a briefcase full of money in exchange for K-Mel. His employer... Wants to buy the station, but he, quote-unquote, wishes to remain anonymous, which is always a good sign. And it's not Eric Raymond this time. Surprise, surprise. Elzar is like, this is a really bad deal, and Wormtumming's like, nobody else would buy a worthless station like this. Can you hear me rubbing my hands? Because I'm rubbing them pretty hard now. Sorry, I was envisioning, like, the wizard from CDI Zelda right there. <laughs> Only Link can defeat Ganon and buy K-Gem. So... He almost signs the papers, but in come a bunch of college kids. Who are here because they're part of a class? They just happen to be here today? But they're so in love with this station, they can't bear to see it sold. So they say, give us until sign off tonight. We'll find someone to pay the bills. Wormtongue is like, sign it now, you'll never find a better deal. Elzar is like, the sleaze is right. That, that sleaze is standing right over there. Uh, no, Mr. Kite has no illusions as to what he is, okay? Like, he knows he's a sleazy supplicant, and he, like, owns it, okay? Like, he knows that's his role in life. He's, he's comfortable with himself. I can respect that. You gotta do what you feel is real. Exactly. We get one of those only Sith deal in absolute moments. Because Mr. Kite is like, you have to sign it now, I'll never give you another offer. And the head of the radio station says, well, I hate ultimatums. You college kids have until tonight to figure out what we're gonna do. So he's like, I hate ultimatums. Here, you guys have an ultimatum. Meanwhile, let's head over to the headquarters of KBST, which is like a giant skyscraper with KBST on top. The misfits are here to show off how good they'd be in a partnership with KBST, and Eric has his business sunglasses on. The misfits record like a station ident in perfect unison, which is terrifying. They're also doing choreography, which is kind of pointless on the radio. Anyway, they're doing this for Mr. Lasseter, who is this episode's actual antagonist. He owns KBST. He's fresh from taking over Disney. Christy Marks talks about this on the commentary, how uh, when she had originally pitched Jetta as a new misfit, she had intended to have Jetta be black. But they were like, you can't have a black person be a bad guy. Or even morally ambiguous. Yeah. So she settled for her being British, and then Christy finally got to have, like, an antagonist African-American person. And it's Mr. Lasseter, and he is way more competent and capable than any other business bad guy in this entire show has been or will be. He's great. I wish he was around for so many more episodes, but this is his only shot at greatness. At least he delivers. Maybe they'll bring him back in the comics. That would be nice. So anyway, Eric wants more airplay for the Misfits, along with some interviews and more promotions. And Jetta starts in on her I Know the Royal shtick. And then Lasseter is like, really? Because I had them on my yacht the other day and they didn't mention you. Either he's that rich or they are just out bluffing each other. I have a yacht that royalty comes on because I have a radio station. I would have loved to hear Jetta have a comeback where she was like, yeah, well, I hung out with them on the moon. Then Eric pulls out his powerful negotiation tactic, which is, I will pay you to do me a solid. He's the worst at negotiating. So... Wormtongue minces into the office, and Mr. Lasseter is like, all right, whatever, this scene's over, get out of my face. And the misfits are shoved off, and then 
Wormtongue is like, well, we have a slight snag, sir. There's some college students involved. Because college students are the bane of every evil corporation, apparently. It's either that or a group of ragtag kids. So Lassiter finally gets into what the heck is so important about KMEL. I worked for Elzar Marcus once. He didn't like the way I did business and he fired me. And I promised myself I'd get even. Really? You're this successful and now you're thinking I'll get even? Only the wildly successful can be this petty. I mean, look at Pizzazz. She's horribly petty. She could get anything she wanted. Except her father's love. Aww. Too soon? I think forever will be too soon. Aww. You're right. So, meanwhile, let's head over to Greendale Community College's cafeteria. Hella Rob Paulson has still not taken off his sunglasses? I don't think he can. Okay, first off, this is the point where we find out some of the other characters' names, and more importantly, their nicknames. This is something that, you know, we're a little used to here in the gem world, but you were telling me, John, that this is something that, like, used to be just a college thing? Yeah, my dad tells me stories about how, like, everybody in the dorm, everybody had nicknames. Nobody has that, like, anymore. College nicknames aren't much of a thing. I think it's because the internet may have come along and we all have usernames on the internet. So these are cool college kids, and one of them, the blonde one, is nicknamed Switch. He notices a magazine with gem on it, and he's like, wait a minute, that's it. We do know somebody rich who can pay for this radio station. And it's because Switch used to go to school with Kimber. Well, look, now, my mother went to high school with Kenny Bowersox. He's an astronaut who replaced the lenses on Hubble Space Telescope. That does not mean she can just call up Kim Bowersox and be like, hey, can you get NASA to do me a solid? Here's how I love how he phrases this. He says, I went to school with Kimber Benton, and her older sister runs Starlight Music. Not, I went to school with Kimber Benton, and she's the songwriter and pianist for one of the most famous rock bands in the entire world. You would think that would be her main defining trait. Well, hold on. Is this show called Kimber and the Holograms, Annie? No, much to Kimber's chagrin. So Switch is like, all right, I'm going to go to Starlight Music and see if I can get in contact with Gem and the Holograms. So he goes to Starlight Music, where it turns out they've hired a second employee. Yeah, is this one of the Fifth Avenue boys? He looks like a demon triplet Jedward. That's exactly what I had in my notes. And he's still Rob Paulson. We don't yet have Rob Paulson talking to Rob Paulson, but it's pretty close. So the... Fifth Avenue administrative assistant tells them that they're doing a private show at the Cloud Nine restaurant, but it's very exclusive and they won't let him in. And Switch is not deterred. He just runs off. And we head over to the airfield. Rio is here. And oh no, they're letting Rio fly a plane. He's just got his pilot license, apparently, and he bought a cute little bitty plane. It'll be This is a new thing for Rio. We've never heard of him being, like, interested in flying a plane at all. Here's what I wonder. Do you think that he started taking flying lessons after the Gem Jam? When uh, Gem and Johnny Deacon went flying off in that helicopter instead of hanging out with Rio? And they almost died because of party balloons? He's like, I'm gonna get myself a little, little single prop. No balloons can get sucked into this thing. It's gonna be fine. I'm gonna fly her everywhere. Nobody else gets to come in. It's just gonna be me and Jem. We're gonna fly in the clouds and maybe Jerrica will be there too. Maybe I'll fly Jem to Jerrica and Jerrica to Jem. Maybe I'll fly with both Jem and Jerrica. Both of them can like my plane. Do you want to see my plane, Jem and Jerrica? Yes. He's just muttering this to himself while he's filling out the application. While he's taking the lessons, the pilot slash co-pilot who's instructing him is like, what are you going on about? It's like, Jem and Jerrica are gonna like my plane. 
Anyway, isn't Rio's tiny plane a beaut? But here's a much bigger plane. That still sounds like a euphemism. Yeah, this is definitely a euphemism. We've got two men comparing the sizes of their little cylindrical objects. Not that little. Yeah, these guys are are jerk pilots, and I kind of love their designs. They look like frickin' frack, but they're like punkers now. I like to compare them to pilot versions of Bulk and Skull. Yeah, we just said the same thing. I think one of them is named McDuffie, but that doesn't really matter. One or both, or it could just be that they're both named after the plane. There are bad pilots, that's all you need to know. Evil pilots. So, Jem and Rio wander back into the restaurant, Switch runs up, and he gets a door actually slammed in his face. Because this is a private party. Switch is not deterred, he tries to hop a fence, but a security guard shoos him away. Security guard appears immediately after the first time he tries to hop the fence. That guard can teleport. So he's accosted by Pilot Bulk and Skull, a.k.a. the guys who are both McDuffie. And they're like, we can get you into the party. And they actually like physically pick him up by the shoulders so his feet are dangling above the ground. Here's the thing. In our scene transition, we discover that they have gotten him onto their plane, taken off, then slowly circled back around over the L.A. area before he started asking questions. It's perfectly reasonable. They are high above the airport here, and then they shove him out of the plane with a parachute that he barely understands how to make work. And then we cut right back down to the ground where the Pilots Club is. Funny story, the Holograms here are performing a song called It's Fun to Be Scared, which doesn't actually premiere until the next episode, Trick or Tech Rat. So I guess these episodes are out of sequence? They must be. Or unless this is just a, a special little preview for Trick or Tech Rat. Switch deploys the parachute and then he lands like right onto the stage and hits some power cords with his feet while he's at it. And somehow does not die. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, everybody else abandons the stage, and Kimber ducks under her keyboard. And the parachute, like, drapes over the entire stage so that Kimber and Switch have their own little, like, reunion fort. And we have a little commercial break in between this before we realize that everybody's actually fine. Gotta have that mortal peril in this episode. There's only one of these. Make it count. Rio's like, call the power company. Get those live wires shut off. I'm surprised that's not our superstar segment. That was a big thing there for a while, where it's like all of the little safety things were like, if you see downed power lines, like how often were we supposed to come along downed power lines when we were kids? So it turns out everybody's fine. Nobody's dead or electrocuted or both. It's Switch and Kimber, and they're just catching up. And they once, quote, skipped out of study hall together to do something. Let that imply what it may. To both make out with girls? One can only hope. So Rio immediately jumps in after Switch has introduced himself and is like, I'm going to beat you up! Because Rio is Rio. He is forever Rio. I don't want to be forever Rio. And then Kimber's like, no, wait, I went to school with this guy. He's actually kind of cool. Nickname's Switch. How bad could he be? He also identifies McDuffie as the guys who pushed him out of the plane. Switch explains the thing that's going on with KMEL, but Jem, for no reason, says, Oh, we're stretched a little thin right now. I'm sorry. You're the most famous rock band in the world. Stretched thin. They got orphans to take care of. Look, there's a lot of things that cost exactly $250,000. Then back at KMEL, no one can get anything done, so Elzar signs off. And this is actually a nice monologue here. It's like a Garrison Keller moment. Yeah, it is. He says, 
Radio is a medium of imagination. It creates pictures in the mind. It brings us news and new ideas. It entertains us with comedy, drama, and music. Rock, country, and western, classical, jazz, and everything in between. But most of all, radio is the vital part of our most precious right, freedom of speech. So support your community and public stations. Let radio do more than just entertain you. Let it educate you. And we have this whole little thing where Jerrica tunes into the sign-off as she heads home. She carries a boombox with her down to the car so she can listen to it. Okay. She carries it into an elevator. Those things are basically a Faraday cage. Yeah, she's listening to it as she's walking. She's like, oh yeah, this is really deep and meaningful. She gets in the elevator, the doors close. It just goes to static while like Girl from Ipanema starts playing over the, <laughs> the intercom. She gets to the bottom, the doors ding open, and it starts back up again with more meaningful pleasantries. And Jericho apparently takes a while to make a decision about this because she turns into Jem while she's driving home, right in the middle of a busy street during rush hour. And then she pulls a Yui right in the road and then turns around and heads over to KMEL. Is there any reason why she couldn't go to KMEL as Jerrica? That's what makes me mad about this. Because Jim arrives right into the station and is like, Jerrica sent me. She looked over the books and she sent me with an offer to give to you. Why isn't this just Jerrica? Is it called Jerrica and the Holograms? She offers a partnership with Starlight Music. Starlight will cover the bills, giving the students a chance to save the station. Elzar agrees, and Wormtongue, who has been simpering over in the corner, wringing his hands with his little business deal, is mad, and they just slam the door on him. And Elzar's like, oh, this is a new start for KMEL. You should apply for new call letters. Something to represent the new image. They say we should call it KGEM. Jim's like, oh no, you shouldn't. And they're like, but that's what the playset is called. And now it's time for a bit of a montage. Free orphan slave labor again? Uh, surprisingly, no. College kid slave labor. Elzar is like, Rio's volunteered, quote, to replace my engineer until we can afford to hire one. He doesn't even acknowledge that Rio is an engineer. I mean, for all we know, he's not. Everybody's got new jobs. Everybody's going to be DJs, program directors. Somebody's going to collect community news. They're going to get sponsors and advertisers. And they're going to get those local bands that you wouldn't hear of on a big radio station like KBST. Like Gem and the Holograms. So we've got our little training montage where everybody puts stuff together. Rio flies a plane, the banner on it. Thanks, Rio. Hold on, hold on. On that thing, that sign... That he flies. It just says K-Gym on it, doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't give the actual frequency. Nope. Well, that's useless. Yes. Meanwhile, at KBST, Mr. Lassiter hates this montage. Wormtongue is like, Oh, don't worry, sir. I have a plan to use Eric Raymond and the Misfits. And Lassiter's like, Great. I don't want to know the details. You just go and you do it. Because he's actually a smart villain. He's not like, Zipper, go put a bomb in their orphanarium. Except he also takes a moment to say, But if you fail this time, never show your face here again. Which is just begging for a, you failed me for the last time, Starscream. Mr. Kite's just waiting for Laster to leave the room so he can sit on the chair and crown himself king. So, meanwhile, Wormtongue is making a deal with Eric because Eric is bad at business stuff. It's fascinating to see what happens when Eric, who fancies himself the kind of master business manipulator that Lassiter is, actually comes up against somebody who's really good at this. He's just like, sure, fine, do whatever you want. As they are shaking hands, apropos of nothing, Pizzazz just marches in and shrieks at Eric with the biggest, loudest Eric shriek we have ever heard of the show. Like, Eric! I don't think he 
Katie's actually done anything this episode. Why is she mad? It's interesting to start a character at Enrage and just keep her there. She's just mad because Jem's going to have a concert on the radio. My dear genteel pizzazz, says Eric, the most sarcastic human on Earth. Wormtongue explains that he has agreed for the missus to play a live radio concert directly opposite the opening broadcast of K-Gem. It's okay, he'll send a limo to pick them up, because they're going to be going to play in a very unique studio, something that's never been done before. Hashtag don't worry about it. Hashtag totes legit. So we skip to the day of K-Gem opening up. They're going to start their broadcast with 12 hours of live local bands and a whole lot of sponsors, but more importantly, Gem and the Holograms. Because that's what everybody came here for. Let's not kid ourselves. The station's called K-Gem. When suddenly, here comes our song, The Misfits, Listen Up. Yeah, the Misfits are in like a studio that locks from the outside and said, okay, they've got a light on. When the light turns green, that's when you start playing. And they're like, okay, sure, this sounds fun and not at all terrifying. Now, here's what I like, okay? We assume that when the light turns green, they just go live, right? We're just cutting to live. So that means each one of their songs is predicated by Stormer being like, it's green again! Yeah, so we have our music video. Both bands get a radio-themed song in this episode, and I really love how they both start out with, like, new sounds like... It delights me. Newsies coming through. They also, at some point in the music video, turn into evil radio equipment and destroy the protagonist with sound waves. And I think that's how one of the Brave Little Toaster musical numbers happened. They do menace Rio with floating radio equipment, and that's pretty great. That begs the question, of course, at the end of the music video, it cuts from Rio being menaced by floating radio equipment to Jerrica opening the door saying, what's going on? And then we cut back to Rio and all the other guys in the studio in the exact same poses they were frowning at the equipment that is now not attacking them. Everything that you saw in this music video actually happened. It's a pirate broadcast. That's what it is. And that's our commercial break. That's right, kids. Pirates, not the fun kind. Sorry. Yar. It be broadcasting at a million watts. Arr. What's kind of cool for the rest of the episode while this sort of pirate broadcast is happening is that we just hear different misfit songs in the background as diegetic music of misfit songs just being broadcasted over everything. I like it a lot. It's a pretty cool little gimmick. Basically, the the signal jammers are using a stronger signal. The K-Gem is broadcasting at 1,000 watts. The jammer is using 10,000. And Elzar's like, that's it. I'm calling the actual authorities on this. There's two people in Gym World you do not mess with. It is Hollywood Guilds and the FCC. Yeah, the FCC has like, they have gotten vans. They're going to try and triangulate the signal, except the FCC can't figure out where it's coming from. And advertisers are getting really mad about their ads not running. And Jerry is like, well, something really dumb and silly is happening. Who could possibly be involved? Oh no, who could it be? She just gets in her car and barges right into Eric Raymond's office at Misfits Music. And for once, Eric has no idea what's going on. Eric's like, I don't know. I thought we were going to be on KBST. I have no idea what's happening here. And Jerick is like, uh, all right, I believe you. And Eric is like, you do? 
This is kind of great because Eric's band has been effectively kidnapped. He has a right to be alarmed right now. She says, like, not even you would be so dumb to mess with the FCC after that incident with the unions. And then she just grabs him by the lapels and drags him over to KVST. I kind of love this. I love this Jerrica who is at least savvy enough to know what kind of nonsense is going on and is tired of it. So they head over to KVST and they confront Lassiter. But Lassiter is actually a competent evil businessman, and they can't make anything stick. Yeah, because he's like, did I ever say that they'd be performing on my station? Did you ever meet with me? Did Kite even say he was representing me? Huh, well that's funny. It's almost as though, uh, I've actually covered all my bases here, and can't have anything lead back to me. Oh, what's that? Oh, you mean I don't even need a lawyer? Huh. I love this character so much. Why wasn't he a recurring villain? I don't know. I think it's because he's too competent for the show. Like once a season even would be enough where he just shows up Eric at his own game and then swans out of the show for another season. I think that would be incredible. This guy is like the Hordak to Eric Raymond's Skeletor. And Jerick is like, we will beat you. We will get K-Gem back on the air. And Lazarus just bows his head and says, I look forward to having you as an enemy, Miss Benton. This guy is such a great villain. There's a lot of interplay here that's usually completely absent from the show, and I really like it. So we head back to K-Gem, where they still can't find the source of the pirate broadcast. But then Rio looks up. And he's like, hey, I recognize that big, obnoxious plane. It's McDuffie's plane. They've been flying all over the city all day. And then Rio jumps in his van to go do something both stupid and dangerous and incredibly illegal. Infinitely more illegal than this pirate broadcast, turns out. So everybody hops into the roadster to go stop Rio from doing stupid stuff. Except Rhea? Rhea doesn't get in the car. Rhea's gone. Meanwhile, in Catch the Pigeon, Rio does incredibly illegal stuff. He buzzes the bigger plane and, like, almost crashes into them several times and forces them to land. And this is super not allowed. Eventually, Rio gets them to land and Jerrica starts, like, hopping up and down and clapping her hands because Rio did it. Rio's gonna go to jail. Rio's going to jail, Jerrica. Enjoy this while you can. And actually, the cops are here, but they don't arrest Rio. For reasons. For once, the misfits have actually been arrested. And it's the one time they're not actually responsible directly for what's going on. Because they were never actually told what was going on about the pirate broadcast. Also, Ray is here. She got a cab, I guess. She had her dad drop her off. We're back. We're at KGEM. Everything's fine. The FCC has metered out their swift and terrible justice. It's time for KGEM. No, not, not the radio. It's time for the song KGEM. Which is, it's a jingle. It's the best. It's the best. It's also got the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do new sound. I love everything about the KGM music video. Here's a whole freaking line from this music video. Serving the community, bringing people together, giving a sense of unity, and don't forget the sports and weather. It's the best. I love KGM. It's my favorite song of the whole show. Like, unironically, I love it. Anyway, KGM, KGM, we're here to stay. So, John, this is still your favorite episode, huh? What really grabs you about this? Well, I like it. I like it how it's like a story of a small town radio station. I also like how it's probably one of the most realistic episodes we really get in the whole show. I would love to have some more plots of Gem that are sort of like this, where it's over the top, but not ridiculously so. Talk radio is pretty great, isn't it, guys? 
You should all listen to more talk radio, especially ours. We'll be back with Mac next time. It'll be Trick or Tech Rat. It's going to be the only holiday episode that we even have on this entire show. It's pretty great. So, John, thanks for joining us, hon. Aside from In My Own House, where can people find you if they want to look up what you're doing? I have a podcast where I talk about bad anime opinions. I do it with my brother just about every Monday. It is called Aniki, A-N-I-K-I. There's a multi-level Japanese pun in there if you care about it. Uh, You can find it on iTunes. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Aniki Podcast. Or you can follow me personally on Twitter uh, if you really want really bad opinions about Pokemon and video games and me complain about Overwatch. Uh, That's at Koitenbatsu. That's K-O-I-T-E-N-B-A-T-S-U. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. We are also on Twitter and Tumblr. You can find us at just about anywhere by Googling The Gem Jam, except on Twitter, we are at Gem Jam Cast. If you like what we do and you want to support us, you can give us a like, a rating, a review on any place where you find our podcast. It is very helpful to us. If you got a couple bucks kicking around, we are at patreon.com slash the gem jam you can donate to our patreon for a couple bucks a month you can get some pretty cool stuff i'm pretty pleased about it so until next time dear listeners i'm annie i'm kit i'm mr annie and this has been the gem jam where we remind you that outrageousness is a state of mind not a measure of time